Welcome to Singing Teachers Talk, the podcast that brings you great interviews, insightful discussions and advice around the topic of singing and teaching singing. Now it's over to your host for today's episode. It's me, Alexa Terry. Lynn, we are back. Happy New Year to you. How was your festive time? Happy New Year to you as well, Alexa. You know what, I had a fairly quiet, festive time trying to rest up. You know, I've been quite busy up to the um, holiday period. And then, of course, we launched uh, on the 9th of January, our Level 5 course. And so, yeah, lots to be focusing on and attending to. But yeah, what about you? How was your festive period? Yes, it was hectic when there are excitable children around. So playing auntie, it was really nice. Thank you. And it's so exciting that the level five is up and running and it's a new year. So new years tend to come with a resolution. We're going to start doing something or stop doing something. Mm. Do you have any resolutions yourself? No, I actually don't believe in resolutions. Ah, Yeah, I feel like one of the problems with resolutions is that people set them and then don't do them. Uh, so it's much better to set goals throughout the year uh, and and then follow up, you know, with whatever strategies or tools that you can in order to maintain it or get into a brain drain, an accountability group or find an accountability buddy. Yes, I, I feel like resolutions are really um, setting us up for failure, if I'm honest. Mm. So I tend to have them throughout the year. Yeah. Why do you think that we tend to abandon those resolutions or goals early on? Because they say it's around February that anything we start on the strike of midnight of the new year just gone by the next month. I think there's a few theories. One is that if you haven't, and this is partly my theory, if you haven't actually dealt with the beliefs that are feeding into the thing that you're trying to stop or forcing yourself to do, then your mind will just go back to what it's comfortable with. Mm. We like to stay in the familiar. Uh, The other thing is that we don't find support or strategies to help us, or we don't create a plan, really. We we have the resolution, but we don't put a plan in place or have a support. Say, for instance, someone wants to give up smoking, you know, just just deciding it is, you know, not enough. You have to have some strategies and tools and maybe some therapy, you need some support, you know, and you need um, regular check-ins and all that sort of thing. Um, Or you need to do some kind of therapy. Um, When it comes to things like going to the gym, uh, you know, once again, it takes time for a habit to be put into place. I think a lot of people underestimate how long it takes for habit Mm. to be installed. I mean, there's no, reliable data on it i don't think but it's something between 28 and 30 something days you know of repetition Mm. so the fact is you know you have this wonderful idea that you're going to make changes and have a fresh start and the new year is a good time to do it but if you haven't got all these other things in place it's very unlikely that you're going to be able to maintain it having said that i know people who do make massive changes um, as a result of new year's resolutions but I think probably for the majority, they let it go by the time it gets to February and Mm. and life kicks in. Mm. What are the signs that we might have low resilience? Yeah, so low resilience can be mental or physical. Uh, 
it could be related to work or um, our home life. Often, you know, when you physically learn resilience, it will affect everything. Sometimes with mental resilience, it only happens in particular settings. So it just depends. So for me, physical um, signs are if you're getting sick a lot or you're feeling tired, you need to go to bed early or you're waking up feeling tired, um, you might need a nap during the afternoon. Uh, your, your, your body isn't coping, you know, with stress and strains of day-to-day -day life. Um, so you might, some people might lose their appetite, some people might increase their appetite, you know, everyone's different in how that changes um, and how it affects their habits. So physical things are just a little bit more obvious. With mental uh, low resilience, it's things like not being able to, well, mood swings or low moods, obviously, not feeling happy, uh, maybe not being able to stay self-motivated or, or self-driven when in the past you've not had any problems with that, mm -hmm. uh, not being able to focus, uh, making bad decisions, you know, so poor decision-making, uh, catastrophizing is another one, you know, where you make the old mountain out of a molehill. Um, it might be that you find it difficult when a challenge occurs or something changes in, in your life or your work and you're just not dealing with it. So it might make you cry or make you feel like hopeless, you know. Th so they're generally mood and thinking things when it, it uh, comes to the mental resilience. Yeah, so there's lots of signs and sometimes um, they're quite subtle mm. and they creep up on you subtly. Uh, and I definitely have been through that myself. And I think the um, whole pandemic and going into lockdown definitely challenged uh, a lot of people's resilience mentally and physically. Mm -hmm. How can we as singing teachers and also helping our students to build resilience and confidence, especially in the face of rejection, which we see so much in this industry? Mm. I think if we can take a more biopsychosocial approach. Hello, and, Stephen King. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, existed long before Stephen yeah. King. Um, in the medical world, you know, people have been talking about it since about the 70s or 80s. But a much, and I call it, uh, so that's what I call holistic. Mm -hmm. um, so taking that more holistic or biopsychosocial approach, which is thinking about, well, what's happening to that person biologically, psychologically, socially? And obviously, as a singing teacher, we only can really control or manage certain aspects. Um, so it might be, first of all, just stopping and asking them, you know, what's going on? Uh, do you feel like there's something that's going on in your life that might be impacting your ability to feel enthusiastic about having lessons or doing your practice or this low energy or you know, the fact that you're getting colds all the time. Um, so is there any sort of stress going on? And whilst I don't think the singing teacher is there to fix that problem, mm -hmm. it might be that the singing teacher can guide the student onto where an appropriate place would be. It might even be just, you know what, why don't you go and see a GP and mention these things to them and see if they can refer you on to get mm -hmm. help. Uh, or it might be that you have a list of, um, you know, someone like a nutritionist or uh, someone um, so like Duncan Rock would be an amazing person because he can do the physical and the nutrition side to see if there's some deficits there. Because I think a lot of people underestimate how nutrition impacts our mood 
and our brain mm. um, in terms of obviously if we're eating a lot of sugar that's going to go into the system and it has an impact on the way the brain works um, if we're allergic to or um, intolerant to certain foods say for instance gluten uh, or dairy and we're eating those things and say we have a leaky gut then that might have an impact on our brain so it's worth looking at, you know, what's going on nutritionally. Is there some adjustments you can make like elimination or addition of certain things? Um, and it might be that the singing teacher needs to refer the student on to someone who has more knowledge in that area, but it just opens the student to the idea that maybe there's something they could do there. Exercise. I mean, there's a huge, there are a lot of studies that correlate how health and well-being, mental health and well-being can be correlated with exercise. And even if it's a 20 minute brisk walk every day or five times a week, um, that can be enough to lift somebody's um, energy and then their mood. So that's another area. Then um, looking at, you know, what are the mindset issues that are standing in the way? Hmm. So are there some beliefs there that need addressing? Is there some reframing that we can do? And that's something I feel like the teacher can do. Um, you know, just help the student to reframe to, just by instead of saying I can't, it's like I can't yet mm. or I'm working on uh, and actually maybe do some exercises. I've done that before where I've said to clients, just write a list of all the things that you feel you believe about yourself that stop you from achieving X, Y and Z mm. and then we'll go and do a reframe exercise together. Mm. Uh, there's also a site called reframe um i think it's dot t-h-n-k so there's no i in it uh where they do as a reframe exercise that you can do online where you put in the belief and then it takes you through the process of reframing it to come out with the opposite mm. um view of of what what you might what actually might be happening or you're perceiving so and it might be that you know um the person actually does need to get some therapy, you know, if they've got de things like depression or anxiety, but a GP would be the best next call there. So I think for the singing teacher, it's it's just becoming aware of what might be affecting somebody from the biopsychosocial point of view. Social would be what's happening, you know, family, with friends, at work, at school. Uh, are there some things going on? If you've got a kid who was bright and energy, energised and really on it at you know one time of the year and then suddenly things change maybe some stuff has happened at school mm -hmm. and once again we're not counselors unless obviously we've had that training but we could then be pointing things out so it might be that then you could go to the parent and say i've noticed you know that sally isn't as energetic and um, enthusiastic she seems to cry a lot um, she mentioned that there was then things going on at school had she talked to you about that and mm. just thought I'd let you know um, that this might be contributing to what's going on with her now. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky one because the fact is that the singing teacher quite often is privy to a lot of stuff that other people are not in, in that mm. person's life. Just because you're one-to-one, -one, you see them regularly, you know, pretty much 99% singing teachers are encouraging and supportive and nurturing and lovely people. And so the student relaxes and and then sort of will share things that they might not share with other people. Mm. And, and so we're in this weird position of having 
access to this information about someone, but not having the experience or qualifications um, to deal with it. Um, so I, we can only really equip ourselves and surround ourselves with other people that can help us mm. and then read and understand and talk to others about what they do. Um, I mean, you can also always go to an, you know, someone who you feel like might have some more knowledge to uh, ask some advice as to what you might say to your student. Mm. Definitely had that. Um, you know, people coming to me and saying the students revealed this to me, what do I do? Obviously, if there's abuse going on, then um, it's our duty of care to actually report it. So there's a process for that. Mm. But if it's something, you know, that's not, you know, legal or that severe, then even just saying, look, I understand that it's difficult. Unfortunately, I'm not qualified to help you, but these people might be the sort of people and you could start with your GP or you could start with your parents or your mum or you could start with one of your teachers at school or or a friend you know um and then that just and then to say about you know whatever happens whenever you're here in this lesson with me I want you to know that you're safe and that um you know you're accepted just as you are and I will help you as much as I can. But unfortunately, you know, there's going to be some limitations. So, and that's something which I also realised quite early on in my teaching career, was that sometimes people come to have singing lessons, not because they particularly want to learn to sing, but because it's actually helping their mental health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know if I really answered that question, because it's a big one. and And it's not one necessarily that there is a a really direct answer for for singing teachers and I feel like it's up to the individual singing teacher to equip themselves with as much knowledge and 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 network and referral systems etc and resources that they in case they need it yeah as a resilience coach how would you advise a singing teacher help a singer to prepare for non-success well usually when somebody has severe anxiety or response to a negative experience as a performance it's because they've attached a meaning to it so it means i'm not good enough it means i'm a failure it means that i'm being judged it means that um i've disappointed others uh it means that i can't make it and so i think even if you could just help the student understand actually that's something that happened but it has no meaning. There's no intrinsic meaning because, because actually, you know, have there been times in the past when you failed, but then you've learned something from it and then it meant you progressed and you asked them to find a time and an example or maybe a couple of them. Um, has there been times when you weren't very good, but with practice you got better? Um, has there been a time when actually you did something that somebody else didn't like, but you know you did really well and you did the best you could and there were other people who did like it? Um, had there been times when you've been judged, but actually it hasn't meant that you haven't been able to improve, get better, achieve your dreams, your, your goals, or do the next thing, you know, to up-level? So if, if you can help the student to reframe their thoughts and understand that it's just a thought, it's not a fact. Mm. Where's the rule book? I often say that to my clients. Okay, where's the rule book and where's the law that says that you're not good enough, that says mm. that you, Sue, are not good enough? 
And then, of course, most people will have to acknowledge that, oh, there is no rule book. That isn't a truth anywhere other than in their head. Mm. And that the way it got there was because they made some interpretations when they were very young that led them to believe something about themselves or how they fit in with the world or how the world perceives them. Mm. And that actually doesn't mean it's the truth. Even if you had parents that weren't very nice parents who kept telling you how terrible and how bad you were, it doesn't mean it's the truth. Mm. And I think when people start to recognise that, they realise that they have the power because they had the power to create the truth based on what some other person said about them as opposed to what was real. Mm. So they have the power to remove that belief and replace it with one which is more helpful. Mm. I think that's one way. And also to, as you approach, say, an audition or a performance or an exam, is to set out what are the criteria for you um, in terms of what you want to achieve from this. And some of the criteria might have nothing to do with passing or failing or achieving the role or not. And it might be about, actually, I just want to get more experience doing this. Or it might be, I want to be able to sing this song from beginning to end without stopping in the middle. Simple as that. Or it might be, I, I want to practice this new style um, or this new vocal quality. Mm. Um, or I just, you know, I do want to get the grade um, and it doesn't matter how well I do as long as I pass. Mm. Um, or it might be, I just want to experience having an audition or an exam. Um, and so when you start to look at the experience from that point of view of what am I going to achieve, which some of it will be to do with, you know, whether you succeed or fail, but some of it's also to do with how you develop and what you learn and whether uh, the other thing is like, say, for instance, it might be, I want to try this out because I don't know if this is the direction I want to go in. So I'm going to trial out, you know, all these auditions for these musical theatre performances or productions but I don't actually know if I want to do it mm. and so um, it's you're learning something about yourself so if the teacher can help the student set out those goals for themselves and make them very personal mm. uh, with a little bit of guidance of another way of viewing this experience then they're more likely to come away from it realizing that actually they did learn something or um, when they had less pressure on achieving just one goal, they relaxed and they were able to do the performance or the exam or the audition actually in a much more relaxed, um, true to themselves point of view. So there's a couple of ideas, but it all starts in the mindset. Mm. And then preparation is another thing. Are they doing the preparation that they need to? Uh, are they um, preparing themselves mentally and physically? You know, are they sleeping enough? Are they um uh doing deliberate practice so not just singing through the songs you know but actually focusing in on the problem parts and then making the adjustments that the teacher's been helping them with um so making sure that preparation is um strategized and and effective mm. uh, because at the end of the day and i remember dido hearing an interview with dido or maybe i read it um where someone asked her about how do you um, handle, you know, negative criticism about your work? And she said, 
as long as I know if I've put in all the preparation and I've done absolutely the best that I can, then it doesn't matter to me what someone says. That's just their opinion. Mm. But as soon as I've been slack or if I haven't done enough preparation or if I didn't focus on it or if I was being a bit lackadaisical, she said, then it affects me. Well, that's, you know, obviously under her control because maybe what the person was saying was actually valid because she hadn't put enough work into it so we're in control of that and I think helping the student understand you're actually in control of that mm. you you're the person that does the preparation it doesn't just magically happen mm. Mm. you recently had a workshop in Manchester about gaining confidence which included the words I am enough mm. and I remember getting a jumper for Christmas a couple of years ago actually which has note to self I am enough embroidered on the sleeve which I love rock on ruby that was the designer <laughs> uh -huh. just in case i forgot you know yeah, yeah. so why are these words so powerful and how ca how can we use them mm. so it comes from uh marissa peer and rapid transformational therapy and in fact she wrote a book on that i think so she got it um once when working with a client she just got the client to write it or, or she wrote it on their mirror actually i am enough and it had a very powerful impact on that person. Um, so quite often when people do write it on the mirror and look at it, they have a visceral reaction of against it. And I remember even me, and I'd done quite a lot of work by that stage, when I wrote it up, it just felt really, I felt um, embarrassed and I felt like it wasn't quite true, you know. And um, it's just a way of, once again, reframing things. So you're reading it, and in the beginning, it, you may feel that resistance to it. But actually, after a while, you start to look at it and realize, well, actually, I am enough. I mean, you know, why wouldn't I be, you know, and until eventually saying I'm enough and reading it has no power, negative power of you and rather mm -hmm. it empowers you. So it's just a tool. Uh, so Mel Robbins does the high five habit. So you actually go into the mirror in the morning, no matter what condition you're in, and you just high five yourself. And what it does, both of those things, they help elicit a, you know, a little bit of dopamine and mm. that sort of shifts your brain mindset a little bit as a result because you've got this happy chemical going on. Yeah, so they're just um, they're little tactics and strategies to help shift things. So I used to have I'm Enough written on my post-its as well and I'd put it inside the fridge or next to the loo or in my cupboard as I opened the door so that I just constantly reminded myself I am enough. Mm. And, you know, the fact is we are enough. We are all enough as we are. Um, it's and, and unfortunately, the only person that can change that is yourself. Mm. It won't matter how many times I tell you you're enough, you're not going to believe it if you don't believe it internally. Mm. And so we have to work on changing our mindset to recognising that are we perfect? No. And does that matter? No. But I am enough as I am. I always have been and I always will be. Mm. And that doesn't mean that you can't work to improve, um, you know, doing things. So like singing or performing or writing or whatever it is that you're doing. Mm. It just means that who you are right now is enough and you have all the resources within you to go and achieve your dreams and goals because they're just your your idea of where you would like your life to go it doesn't mean anything even you know 
even if you do succeed, what does that mean? Mm. You know, it doesn't mean anything. There's so many people who have succeeded and are still miserable as anything. Mm. Um, so actually success or money or fame doesn't actually mean you're going to be happy. It doesn't mean that you're going to be feeling better about yourself. It doesn't mean that people will like you more. So actually, uh, what is it that's going to make you um, feel happy, content and satisfied with life? Mm. Content is so important, I think. Well, it's that understanding that who you are, as you are, as a human being is absolutely enough and that you have the ability and the power to achieve, you know, because you're the creator of your beliefs, you create your life and you can then achieve what you choose. And so success might then change from, I want to be famous and tour the world to I want to tour the world and be known for my music because I want to touch other people and help them understand that they're okay as well. You know, so now we're bringing value into what we're doing because mm -hmm. we're not using that as a, we're not motivated by the need for ego or bigging ourselves up or filling a gap that we have, an emotional gap. Yeah. yeah, so I'm enough is very powerful in that way. Um, I, I love it that you have a jumper with it on it. I know. It's really good. It's just there on the sleeve. <laughs> you need to put it in other places as well. Yeah. I don't, I'll be having a suit <laughs> made. Yeah. Um, I also have it on my, um, uh, on my phone. In fact, the, the thing that I put up on uh, social media was from my phone. Um, and I would uh, send little notes to myself occasionally, you oh, know, nice. I'm enough, just to remind me. Yeah. To be honest, nowadays I don't feel like I need it as much because I, I just automatically think it, you know. <laughs> I don't doubt that I'm enough. I just don't. I might still feel low and down and lacking in energy, you know, if I'm, especially if I'm not looking after myself or if I'm working hard and not sleeping well, not eating well, not doing it. All the things that I know will replenish me and energise me. But it doesn't, I never think that I'm not enough about it. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And towards the end of 2022, you were putting out some content about burnout. So if we're flying high with our goals, we're, we've got them in place and we feel like we're starting to maybe burn out, what would that feel like to us so we can recognize the signs? Mm. Well, burnout is usually when we're overburdened with work and feeling stressed. So it's quite often starts with the signs of stress, you know, where you're um, lacking in focus, you may be short tempered, you're not able to um, finish jobs that you start, you feel overwhelmed, your your um, maybe relationships are being affected, you know, you're having more arguments, once again, making poor decisions. Uh, and not being happy, you know, not being satisfied, not enjoying life and not enjoying work. Mm. Um, I think it's really easy, especially as singing teachers, because we're kind of mini entrepreneurs, aren't we? Mm. You know, we're running our own business, we've got to think about marketing, getting new students, we've got to give a lot to our students as well. There's a lot of energy. And I think it's very easy to give our own energy in order to help others, um, instead of supporting other people to build their energy, which is kind of different in terms of what you give. Um, so yeah, and there's a lot to do. And many teachers obviously have families, um, whether it's, you know, your own family that, uh, with children, or whether it's extended family that you're looking after or helping with, uh, you know, life happens. And um, maybe other responsibilities, maybe you're still gigging, you know, you might still be out gigging and teaching, 
or you might have another um, kind of uh, another job as well as your teaching. So it's very easy, I think, for um, entrepreneurs and business solo business people to get burnt out because we're just doing so much. And I feel like um, also we're constantly bombarded, you know, with the media, mm-hmm. social media, and just regular media. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of things happening in the world at the moment um, that's affecting our mental well-being, and and so it's important to ensure that you give yourself time off. The amount of times I have to say to somebody, if someone you loved was doing all this stuff that you are doing and feeling the way that you are now, what would you say to them? And of course, they'll say you need to take a break. So why don't you just factor that into your schedule, you know, that you have every day, you have a period where you can remove yourself, take time out, maybe do mindfulness, maybe do some reading, doing something calm in nature, walking, something that replenishes you and doesn't extract from you. And that's not sitting on social media. Mm. That's not sitting and watching Netflix. It's actually doing something that gives your brain a rest. It doesn't overstimulate it. That brings in um, energy rather than takes out energy. So factor that into your weekly schedule and then also factor in holidays. I mean, you know, it's important to make sure, and I'm very aware of that myself, you know, one of the things I want to do is to make sure that I'm planning a holiday, you know, because I've had such a period of busyness and I'm very aware that I will have a breaking point if I don't um, factor in a holiday. Um, So I'm hoping, you know, I'll be able to do that in the early part of this year, in the first quarter. I'm just waiting, obviously, to make sure that everything settles in with this course and and everything's all right there. Mm -hmm. So um, that's going to be really important for me and that will be going away somewhere, which is very different, where I can walk or I can... um, go and enjoy because I like museums and and art galleries so that kind of thing where I'm actually getting involved in something outside of myself that's Mm. not draining me um yeah so when you're getting those kind of signs you really need to get on top of it and the thing is in the beginning um when you're getting the early signs it might be physical things like you're getting headaches all the time or you're always getting sore throats that's another one or you're you're getting the cold all the time because your immune system's low. Because when we're stressed, our immune system drops. Or if you're not sleeping well, that's another one. Mm. And in fact, they've um, <clears throat> there was one study which showed that if you had less than, I think it was less than seven hours sleep consecutively over a period of five days, you were three times more vulnerable to catching a virus like mm-hmm. a cold or a bacterial viral thing um, than you were if you had slept properly. Oh, so there you go. Yeah, so that all everything's tied in. It's all tied in, mm-hmm. and it might be that you need some help. You know, and a lot of people say, "Well, how can I get help?" You know, I've got this busy business, but I'm not bringing in enough money to hire someone. Well, when I first started and I got to that place where I was so busy I needed help, I did an exchange with a student who was very good at that sort of organising and she became my PA and I gave her singing lessons for free. Yeah. And then when we did events, I paid her, you know, from the event money. But there's always something that we can do or you can do an exchange with, you know, someone else where you do something for them and they do something for you. There's a lot of people out there who are willing to barter and, and to do exchange stuff. 
Mm. So getting help is is also important, especially if if you're finding it too much. And it it is a lot. You know, you've got to know how to be a marketer, how to be the teacher, how to, um, you know, to put on events and, you know, run a business or the admin of it and all that sort of thing. It's a lot. Mm. Mm. What resources would you encourage us to check out this year so that we can keep away from burnout, keep our resilience high and keep that mindset in check? Well, one resource which I think um, it always surprises me that singers and singing teachers and performers actually in general don't know about is the uh, British Association of Performing Arts Medicine. They've got quite a lot of resources there for health and well-being uh, and dealing with stress. So they've got leaflets and um, they do webinars and they do, um, I can't remember if they do a podcast, but they definitely do. They used to do drop-in clinics and stuff like that where you could talk to someone about these kind of things. They talk about maintaining resilience and health and well-being in the performer so that's a very good resource um i mean you know when it comes to nutrition there's going to be various favorites um i personally listen to a lot of functional medicine um podcasts and follow those kind of people so mark hyman dr mark hyman in the uk there's dr rongan chatterjee uh, there's there's a couple of GPs now who are really understanding that we need to take a much more holistic or biopsychosocial approach as GPs. Mm. And so they look at things like beyond the just, well, here's a pill, you know, they look mm. beyond that and they look at, well, what's going on with that person's um, eating habits, exercise habits, their social habits, their, you know, what's happening at work, where are their stresses, um, et cetera. So there's lots of great resources with people like that. In fact, Rongan has written um, quite a few books that are very easy to read um, on the very topic, which help people understand how to build their resilience better uh, from a holistic point of view. Yeah, so obviously there's the nutrition and exercise side of things. And then from the mental health point of view, I really love Mel Robbins. I think she has very positive um message but also some practical things that we can apply to help change our mindset and build um up our mental health um and then obviously you know there's people like mind and mental you know there's various Mm -hmm. mental um health sites that you can go to musician help musicians um also have some resources did i talk about carol dweck and mindset so understanding how my how you can help someone grow a healthier mind more growth mindset approach to life so there are a few bits and bobs i mean there's sleep by matthew walker which explains why sleep's so important mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of books out there um, that help people understand better from a scientific and and also practical point of view how they can make just some small adjustments in order to improve their day um, even things like, you know, before you go to bed, uh, just read a regular book, you know, don't watch TV uh, or listen to anything like that's hyper exciting because um, your brain needs to settle down. Just recently I've been reading a book which explains that so they go into these um, the biorhythms and, and all that sort of thing as well as they talk about sleep. And apparently because a lot of people have been told that we can't have blue screen before we go to sleep because it will impact our sleep and um, and our quality of sleep. Well, it turns out, like with many things, <laughs> the research on that doesn't actually really support that, um, though it probably doesn't do any harm to have 
um, gentler light coming into your eye, it only makes a difference of about 10 minutes falling to sleep. But what does make a difference is what your brain is active in. And so if you're going on to, and I know from my own experience, going on to Instagram and Twitter and or well, Twitter's been recent because I'm interested to see what's happening, but um, TikTok, uh, all these things which are stimulating your brain, that will have a negative effect on your ability to fall asleep and go into a good, decent sleep. Yeah. Mm. I probably need to rethink the book that I'm reading then because I'm currently on an adventure chasing a terrorist uh, through Europe who is trying right. to create a version of smallpox. Yes. So I, I listen, oh, talking about another resource, um, is I, I subscribed, oh no, I don't subscribe to it because it's free, but I have the app Insight Timer. And actually there's people who read stories there mm. um, that are much more gentler, yeah. <laughs> that take you on gentle adventures or do, you know, like The Prophet is one of them that I listen to. And it doesn't matter how many times I listen to it, I just love it. The guy who I listen to is a guy called um, Andrew Johnson and he's Scottish. Oh my gosh, I just love listening to his voice. It's very baritone and obviously with that Scottish lilt. And I'll start listening and I don't think I've ever heard the end of the story. Mm. <laughs> it just lulls me into sleep. Um, yeah, so it's, you know, depends on how you're involved, your brain gets into, yeah. um, into the story. But if you're finding it as exciting you and, you know, making you more alert, then maybe it isn't the best um, yeah. <laughs> While we're on the subject of resources, um, some other books that might help with understanding the way the brain works, uh, especially in terms of performance and anxiety and that sort of thing is um, Prof. Steve Peters' The, Mal uh, the Chimp Paradox. Um, and then uh, also, so I've got the five high, the high five habit, which is Mel Robbins. Mm -hmm. So Matthew Walker talked about why we sleep. Um, I think it's important to understand too that we can change our brain, you know, that we can actually change. The, the brain is not concrete. It's not fixed like I learned when I was nursing. It's actually very plastic and we can teach it new things and create new neural pathways. Mm -hmm. So any of the books on understanding how the brain can change itself, and there's quite a few people, um, Norman Douge is one person, um, and then who's the guy who wrote The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat? Oliver Sacks. Oliver Sacks. Uh, yeah, so so you can understand neurologically that actually the brain is really versatile. And the um, reference I was making earlier about uh, blue light not necessarily being, being as problematic as the content of what you're reading or watching, that's from a book called Lifetime by Russell Foster. Yeah, so there's some books that I've read and um, people that I follow in order to help me understand all of this a little bit better. And I'm not an expert. I just know enough that I can help reassure people or direct them in, you know, to go and read those books themselves or mm -hmm. follow that person or watch that video. And there's so much on YouTube these days, isn't there? Mm. Anything pretty much by TED Talks is going to be good, you know, mm -hmm. good quality. Who's the woman who had a stroke? Um, goodness, I can't remember her name. It's been a long time since I watched it. But there's a woman who I think she was a neuroscientist and she had a stroke at work. And she actually explains exactly what happened during a stroke. But more importantly, she talks about 
how she came back from it. It took her seven years because she had quite a strong deficit on one side, like par paralysis, and she couldn't speak in that. But it just as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, there's way more to the brain than meets the eye. And we don't just use 10% of it. We're constantly using 100% of it. That's the other thing is I think there's this myth out there, you know, that certainly I remember, you know, being told that we only use 10% of our brain at any one time or neuroscience has proven that not to be the case. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that's important to realise is that we can't multitask, even mm -hmm. as women you know which women apparently have a reputation for being able to multitask but actually when they measure do brain mapping you're constantly switching from one thing to the next and every time you do there's a deficit so yes. actually just focusing in on one thing at one time is much more beneficial to progress and development and mm -hmm. memory yeah so there's so many interesting things out there um, that a singing teacher can delve into to help equip themselves a little bit more to understand what their student's potential is. And I think that's the exciting thing. And, you know, hope we'll see what comes up in 2023 and what new things we'll be hearing about that we hadn't heard about and new studies and all that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Well, then, thank you so much for helping us and setting us up for a resilient and confident 2023. And I wish you all the best and our listeners for this year as well. So thank you so much. Yeah. And I'm absolutely uh, right behind you on that. Wishing everybody out there all the best in their teaching. Um, please reach out if you've got any questions. We're here to help. And if you've got any topics you'd like us to talk about, uh, we're always interested in finding out what you're interested in hearing about and learning more about to help you in your teaching and thanks alexa for doing an amazing job if you're enjoying the singing teachers talk podcast and who are we kidding of course you are share the love by giving us a ahem, five star rating and leaving a comment just head to the singing teachers talk main page on the apple podcast app and scroll to the bottom to click write a review